Hi everyone, welcome to Ishi TV. I'm Ekta Kapoor. Today I'm talking to interfaith research scholar Urmi Chanda, and we're going to talk about the difference between religion and faith, and why religion has become such a loaded word today. Hi, Urmi. Hi, Ekta. Thank you for so, having me here today. Thank you for being here. For our viewers, Urmi Chanda is a research scholar and a culturalist who specializes in Indian history and culture with a special focus on religion and mythology. She's been a journalist for over 13 years and writes independently for some of the most prestigious publications. She's been a researcher for non-fiction TV shows, has given talks on various platforms, including TEDx, and has been a knowledge consultant for many cultural projects. She's also worked with museums and nonprofits. Currently, Urmi is doing her PhD in interfaith studies as a Harmony Scholar from the University of Wales Trinity St. David and also coordinates the India programs at Seeds of Peace, an international peace-building organization. She's especially passionate about interfaith harmony and believes in the power of art and dialogue for driving social impact and change. Urmi and I, of course, met through SAPAN, that's the South Asia Peace Action Network. And during the course of our many meetings, I realized she and I have a lot to talk about. So let's get talking. So Urmi, uh, thanks for being here. And uh, first off, as someone who has researched this subject, uh, tell me, how do you define the difference between religion and faith? So this is one of the fundamental questions that keeps coming up every time, you know, uh, there is occasion to speak on the subject because very often the two words are used synonymously. But... Uh, there was this uh, camp I was at. We hold this interfaith harmony camp for our uh, kids at Seeds of Peace, uh, where one of the introductory sessions is the is about the difference between religion and faith. And one of the uh, very convincing uh, differences, and a very simple one that I recently found, was that consider uh, religion the language of faith or the vocabulary of faith. Mm -hmm. So faith is basically a larger construct. You know, uh, it is something you attach your belief to, but then how do you express that? So the you express the modality becomes religion. So whether it's uh, the performance of a ritual, the readings from a scripture, uh, fasts, pilgrimages, all of these things, they, mm -hmm. they form the language through which you express your belief in, in whatever it is. So, um, you know, and, and why, why even limit ourselves to say the idea of God? Uh, or religion, religion in the traditional sense, you know, uh, think of a sport. Uh, so, say you believe your faith, you have a faith, you uh, know, in, in a sport hero, and uh, you know they are going to, you know, you you absolutely believe they're going to make your team win today. So, you know, the things that you do, maybe it could be, you know, making popcorn and sitting in front of the TV, or going all the way to the stadium, or wearing your T-shirt. So, you see how it becomes the language of something you believe in. So, similarly, mm -hmm. religion. Uh, could be said to be the language of faith. So faith is a bigger construct and religion uh, is, although there are disagreements and religion is also variously defined, some might argue that, you know, faith comes from religion because who tells you what to believe in? Hmm. But but then, you know, uh, there, there, there are people who don't really necessarily want to associate their faith to religion. You know, it's become a little bit of a touchy subject. So faith can really imply a lot of things uh, which goes beyond religiosity 
which is why from that framework i say that faith is a larger construct and religion is are the tools religion provides the tools to express that faith so isn't faith uh i mean for for me when i think of the word faith the the word that comes to mind is god you know and mm. so i mean that for, for a lot of people and a lot of people who are genuine believers of god uh, and people who use religion as a means to say become better people or they use it for mm. spiritual upliftment or they use it for being happier you know and to face yeah. uh, the, their, their challenges in life um you know for for people like that uh, this the current um you know the, the existing environment where the word religion itself is being mm. used in a very political and polarizing context so how what is the effect on people who actually wanted or who were using uh, religion as their relationship with god it's it's really unfortunate but then um, you know this is uh, and you know as much as uh, we want to feel despair about the situation as a student of history when you take a step back you realize you know this is not the first time this is happening mm. religion has always you know been in the, in the hands of the wrong people mm. been used to uh, polarize communities because it is something uh, that is an important identity marker Mm. right our faith or our religious identity is one of the most important markers that most of us get from the time we are born most of us don't really get to choose that identity mm. so uh, we are extremely mm. attached to it and which is why it is an extremely emotional matter for us and hence it is easy to sway people on mm. on the basis of that identity mm. uh and uh, you'll see you know you, you pick up any chapter in history whether it's it's the inquisitions or or uh, the holocaust you know it, it all these extremes have happened in the name of religion and yes. and were there were there i mean and there've always been people for whom faith has been uh, a source of power you know of like you said moral upliftment but mm-hmm. this misuse has always been there and it will continue to be there mm-hmm. so the 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 advantage now is that uh, we have uh, the means to speak up against it you know uh, because of the way communication channels have grown so powerful okay but uh, so many of us now have the agency to step up and say hey this is not done this is not my faith but the ramifications are usually so um, pleasant that mm. people you know don't want to speak up against it so mm. so them you know there will be a lot of people who are disagreeing with what is being done in the name of religion mm. but they won't speak uh they they probably won't even own up to being religious because it's you know it's a tag mm. that sort of uh, brings with it taboos of say uh, being superstitious or being backward or being conservative and so on and so forth mm. so a lot of people you see have now this preference for the term spiritual you know they they will they will refuse to say i'm religious mm. and uh, they will you know the spirituality somehow seems like a more neutral term so mm. there this is an unfortunate consequence but it's not new it's something that leaders you know uh, have always done okay. and it will keep happening uh, the difference like i said you know because we have the agency and the power and uh, we can do something about it now and challenge the narrative mm. i think more of us ought to who who really Uh, understand the value of religion the moral ethical spiritual value of religion and not get swayed by uh, what majoritarian politics wants us to believe religion is <clears throat> you know and they want us to see and they're painting only 
that one grim picture of religion all the time. And, you know, it is for us to uh, stop and say, hey, I'm not buying into that. You know, there is something more out there. And uh, yeah, and, and step up and push back. So earlier people didn't have the agency because uh, the spokespersons for religion were only religious leaders. You know, it didn't matter what the common man thought or said. And mm. even if, uh, you know, they thought there weren't too many ways to express it. Now that we have the ways, I think more and more people should because mm. otherwise your silence just uh, makes you complicit in, in the way it has been misused. Mm. Yeah, like for instance, I'm a, I'm a great believer. I believe in God and I'm a person of faith. And, and I draw my belief system from all religions. I mean, I've taken a little bit from everything and it's, it's served me uh, it helped me grow and it's helped me find uh, a lot of solace in uh, difficult moments in my life, which is I, what I think uh, your faith is supposed to help you. Too, Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Uh, and, and I get very annoyed when I see uh, these very extremist, violent sort of antisocial sort of people really appropriating uh, my very deep and uh, sacred philosophy of, you know, I've, yeah. I come from the Hinduism and Buddhism background and uh, so it really annoys me that how are they being allowed to get away with it? And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, uh, uh, I mean, like, of course, now you're saying that it, it comes from history as well. People have always done that. People have always used uh, religion for all, all these kind of cases. In fact, if, even if you look at it from the gender lens, uh, religions have been very mean to women. Uh, yeah, always. <laughs> you know? And uh, most yeah. religions have uh, rules that uh, suppress uh, the, the female of the species and keep them yeah. bound under all kinds of rules and uh, which don't apply to men. Uh, so how can we take out, uh, you know, the, the positive functions of religion and uh, a religious culture or, you know, cultural traditions uh, and while uh, taking out or editing out uh, the discriminatory parts such as misogyny and, you know, casteism, which is so prevalent? Mm -hmm. um, I think this first step is... Uh, having the willingness to engage you know uh, we are we are uh, knee deep in in muck mm. you know like politics religion has become a domain which is considered dirty now you, know, you don't want to get into it mm. but like they say if you want to change the system you have to be in the system so the first thing to do is to have the willingness to engage with it no matter how it will be unpleasant because you know mm. currently the way it is shaped currently the way it is perceived mm. if you are going to get into it you are going to you know it is going to come with some amount of dirt but if we care enough to challenge and change the narrative the first step to first thing to do is to be uh want to talk about it mm. and not be afraid you know of of being misunderstood because well you know that possibility is always there whatever you discuss whenever there are two people discussing an idea you know uh, there will be there are chances that you will be misunderstood misconstrued whatever mm. so um, that's the first step <clears throat> also uh, one thing i very strongly feel about uh, mm. is uh, you know our education system mm. is uh, secular in india yeah. right so our uh, schools uh, are not places where our kids learn about religion, mm. uh, which I feel is uh, is problematic, mm. because uh, you know then the only source of learning about religions, whether it's your own or anyone else's, becomes just what you're hearing in your families or your religious uh, maybe community, 
and and even worse still a very propagandist media so the only source you're learning our children are learning about religion from are these extremely polarized and uh, biased sources there are there is no other way so and when you live in a a country like ours which is so uh, you know it's so diverse so Mm. pluralistic Mm. you know you can't afford to not know because Mm. ignorance you know fear comes from ignorance and which is why it's so easy to villainize the other a politician just stands up and starts saying any something you know random about the other community mm. and you have no way to uh, wet it or yeah. check because you've never really been exposed to anything all you know about the other community is okay they have maybe two festivals in a year okay uh, all you know about muslims is that there is eid and all you know about christians is that there is christmas and beyond that really how much do our children know mm. so how you know it's it's very difficult to act you know suddenly expect them to grow up into citizens with with a complete uh, understanding and acceptance of what these other you know communities are like mm. because they've never really been taught yeah. so uh, like i said knowledge really is you know uh, is always the answer yeah. so uh, we have to find ways to start engaging with these subjects mm. in 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 simple ways acknowledging even what is wrong with them yes you know put it into historical perspective or come at it from the spiritual perspective um and also point out what is you know socially not relevant anymore yes so uh, like we teach our kids all other subjects you know at least maybe touch upon this and i i feel that's the only way in which we can create citizens in the future who are somewhat better informed uh you know to take to form opinions about religion other religious communities understand them better and then uh and then start realizing that there are positive elements to it and then stand up for it because otherwise you're only seeing only ever knowing about you know the yeah. the, the undesirable or like for example you know uh, for many 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 hindu kids in india today mm-hmm. the the strongest association about islam is probably jihad <clears throat> that's because that's the only thing they're hearing all the time yeah. you know because who will make the attempt to tell them what is good about islam yeah. so uh, that is one way to go to start engaging with the subject so that we are able to discern uh, what is good what is bad because everything that's created will have both these sides you know nothing is ever entirely black or entirely white religion has a very powerful motivating positive force also it is a repository of morality of values you know it, it gives us our moral direction and but we don't really hear about it so mm-hmm. one way to go through it is uh, to educate ourselves about it yeah even even i feel that religious education is required in schools it's uh, you know when we were young we used to have these chat this subject called moral studies or Mm-hmm. um yeah moral know, science moral science yeah it's it's not there anymore but um, uh, some i think some of the by the time the children reach class 10 or 11 they are they sort of briefly touch on religion in some through some short stories in mm-hmm. uh, their english class or something but that's too little and it's too late yeah. because by yeah. the time yeah. you're high schoolers you know a lot of your belief systems are already in place uh, so i think every, all these uh, topics have to be brought up with children when they're very young when they're mm. in primary school we have to start talking to them about religion uh and i think that's how you make religion less of a bad word uh and and more of something that belongs to everybody and it's not just a handful of people who can 
stake claim on it. And that too, you know, like you said, for political reasons, people have been doing it from, from, from ages, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, in that context, uh, I follow Nichiren Buddhism and our mentor, Daisaku Ikeda, he's a peace builder. He says that people do not exist for the sake of religion. Religion mm -hmm. exists for people to enable yeah. people to become happy. So yeah. he talks about religious revolution and he says that yeah. religion must evolve with the times. Uh, like for instance, you're talking about uh, the, the bad aspects of religion, which uh, which teach you that you know women are uh, inferior to men or certain castes are lower than other castes, you know? So uh, all religions have these, uh, these black holes somewhere, you know? Uh, and they need to be addressed. Uh, and as time is progressing, and as we're talking about human rights, and we're talking about equality, you know, social equality, gender equality, we need to talk about relig our religions need to evolve as well. So, what do you think about this? About this concept of religious revolution and evolving uh, with the times? Is it is it even possible? Um, I yes, I think it is possible, and uh, it it has always happened, you know. But the Again, uh, taking a historical analogy here, the wheel of change, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's a big one, mm -hmm. and it turns very slowly. Okay. So uh, you know, when you, whenever you think back on any history lesson, you know, um, we we talk in terms of centuries, from this century to that century, this kingdom, you know, was there, mm -hmm. and such and such happened. Mm -hmm. uh, so change really takes that long. It's it's a matter of you know, because there are centuries of conditioning involved. Mm -hmm. And uh, modernism, you know, as we understand it today, it's it's what like just a few hundred years old. Yeah. Uh, you know, compared to the centuries of conditioning that, uh, you know, the, that's the baggage it's sort of carrying. So, yeah. uh, religions do change; they do evolve. It just is very very slow. Mm -hmm. See, for example, now on, uh, you know, how uh, some women have been challenging this uh, entry into Sabri Mala or. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, places which have traditionally not allowed women to enter because uh, reasons of purity or whatever, you know, women in the menstrual uh, age yeah. cannot enter. So, uh, because like you said, you know, these are uh, really extremely discriminatory laws. And from a human rights point of view, uh, gender equality point of view, these challenges are slowly coming up, which basically mean, uh, you know, change is happening. So it may not happen overnight, you know. Yeah. So the bra-burning feminists, they started what they started in the 60s and 70s. And only, yeah. not, like you know, which is what, 50 years? And we're still sort of struggling. Mm -hmm. So change does take long because social structures are entrenched. Also, uh, you know, because, like I said, religious identity is something uh, that, to the world, the universe is a very uncertain place. Life is extremely uncertain. So religion for a lot of people uh, becomes that pillar to which they, you know, uh, cling on to for a sense yeah. of constancy, yeah. uh, you know, which gives them some some semblance of permanence in, yeah. in, a, in a world that is extremely unsure. Yeah. So every time the need for change comes up, you know, mm -hmm. there will be resistance by conservatives. So these are people who are holding on tightly to yeah. uh, you know and because religion is fulfilling that need for them mm -hmm. uh, you know the religion for them is offering them a sense of uh, constancy and uh, and hence that resistance will always come so mm -hmm. yes religions need to change and yes they do change because every religion you know over a period of time um, say through the stories of prophets for example 
uh, yes, most most prophets uh, in you know the lines ended, but uh, there is always religious scholarship. There are always interpretations. For instance, uh, take the Ramayana for example. I'm not going into holy scripture, but because Hindus uh, consider the Ramayana you know, an important benchmark. Uh, see the way Valmiki wrote it, and you know Ramayana has really changed. You there are there are more than three hundred versions of the Ramayana, and what occurs in the Tulsi Ramayana, for example, is very different. You know, but we because Tulsidas's Ramayan sort of started reflecting the changes that were occurring at that time in society. So religion does bend and change and accommodate, or mm. if not change, it is you know it is interpreted differently mm. uh, with time. See, even uh, even the Pope, for that matter, now Pope Francis, one of the most progressive uh, Christian leaders in the in the recent period. Uh, not very explicitly, but uh, he's been also trying his best to push for, uh, you know, uh, the rights of homosexuals to some extent. He cannot because uh, according to the Bible, it's an absolute no-no. But despite that, because he's a progressive leader, he's trying his best within whatever his capacity to, you know, to make space for them. Mm. So, uh, so, yes, change happens like that. But because... He is also the leader of millions of Catholics around the world. He has to also, he's also accountable to their beliefs of what they hold to be true. So mm. change will always come slowly and through compromise. And sometimes it may not reflect in our lives. But uh, I, I believe it happens and, and that it should happen for sure. But in that sense, would you say we're actually at a good point in history where we're actually bringing up these <laughs> subjects, talking about it? Uh, and like um, you said, there's more communication now. <clears throat> I see, Ika, um, I don't know what is good, what is bad, you know, every period, every, you know, see, like every generation, our parents always complain, uh, you know, said about how we are useless and how their generation mm -hmm. was great. We are saying the same things about our kids, you know, how, how amazing we had it and how useless this generation is. So every generation, every point in time, every period comes with its own, you know, uh, opportunities and challenges. Uh, technology brings with it uh, you know a great set of uh, opportunities but also has thrown you know its set of challenges that come with it mm -hmm. so I would I wouldn't say this you know our time is better or worse than anyone else's you know mm -hmm. ours is a unique time with its unique problems and and mm -hmm. we are fighting uh, you know some people choose to fight against what is wrong some people are happy to sit on the fence uh, as long as it's not affecting them and uh, some people are happy to comply with what is wrong because it uh, helps them. Mm. So, uh, you know, whatever demands, like you said, are coming up, it's mm. a reflection of our times. So this mm. is this is the time where the conversations are happening around gender justice. So in the, they'll also arise in the context of religion. Right. This is a time where conversations are happening around, say, climate justice. So it will also come up in the, because religion you know, is tied to all aspects of our life. Yeah. So I wouldn't say we are at a better or a worse time. We are at a time. It is what it is. And, uh, you know, it has always been every every time, every period, every generation comes uh, and is this. Well, I'm glad you brought up the topic of climate justice because uh, you and I are uh, part of SAPAN yeah. and SAPAN is organizing uh, <clears throat> an, uh, an event on uh, next uh, Sunday, which is about interfaith collaboration, can interfaith collaboration contribute to climate justice? 
So uh, you, Urmi is going to be hosting this for our viewers. Uh, please join us. That's on Sunday, the 29th of uh, January in the evening at 8.30. And uh, we'll talk more, uh, Urmi, on this subject and uh, also how interfaith harmony, uh, not just climate justice, but like you said, since it affects every aspect of human life, uh, how interfaith harmony itself is a goal uh, that we should be all working towards, whether we're in the media or in academics or any field. Um, mm. We should try and bring in interfaith harmony. The subject of interfaith harmony should be a mainstream subject uh, yeah. for, for students, for uh, teachers, for everybody. The, the, I think this subject is something that is going to keep coming up. And uh, it's, it's something that's really important for us to address. And it's really the elephant in the room these days for a lot of issues. In a lot of families, it's become a polarizing issue. So I think we should deal with this head on and have uh, ha and be armed, you know, have be armed with knowledge uh, yeah. before yeah. we, you know, it's it's really dividing families and societies at present. So I think it's something we should, more of us should be talking about it, in fact. Absolutely. So thank you for the work that you do. Uh, and thank you for uh, coming here today and sharing your views with us. Uh, I'll see you on Sunday at the Sapan event. Yes. And yes, uh, all the best, all the best for that. Thank you, Ikta. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.